We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. I appreciate you tuning in. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Today, we're going to talk about 49ers, Cardinals, a few news items to get to before we get rolling in there. But let's get started. First of all, I was planning on recording two pods this week. But just to clue you in into another massive part of my life, um, one of my one of the coaches I used to coach with two years ago, he called me the the Dosecki's man. Not because I'm some type of Rico Suave, you know, I've got ladies hanging off me type. I, anybody who knows me knows I'm not that type of guy. But I, um, I he called me that because I do a lot of different things, and and I got my hands in a lot of different buckets. And I, just to name a few things, let's let's just rattle them off real quick. Most of you guys who've been listening to the pod know what I'm all about, where I come from and what I'm doing. Um, my main thing is I'm married and I have a baby boy on the way. Very, very, uh, you know, it's a very exciting time for me and my wife. So that's number one. That's the first thing. You know, that's what my life revolves around. Two, I'm an art teacher. That is my 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 career. My life's work. I'm also a football coach. I'm also a baseball coach. I also run an airsoft field up in the foothills of the Central Valley. If you don't know what airsoft is, look it up. It's a really manly thing to do. No sarcasm at all. Um, Yes, I used to play. used to play for a long time. So I also run an airsoft field. And I also, in some weird happenstance of art meeting, hobby meeting interests. I also paint Michael Myers masks for collectors. And I've never really dove too much into this story. I don't want to talk too much about myself. But really quickly, just to sum it up, 
I've always loved Halloween and the Halloween franchise, the Halloween, the holiday, and the franchise. My birthday falls on November 5th, which is the week after Halloween. So just to make things more interesting, I used to always celebrate my birthday on Halloween. This is kind of how I've always loved scary movies, love scary everything. Always have felt Michael Myers was my favorite kind of horse slasher. A few years ago, my little brother buys me a Michael Myers mask, and it just happens to be one of the very popular ones that they don't look great because they're mass produced, but the mask itself, you could call it the sculpt, the design is actually really good. It just needs a better paint job. So I got on YouTube and I was like, man, how do you make this thing look better? And then I just stumble upon this massive community of people that are Halloween fans, Michael Myers fans, collectors that collect masks, the coveralls, the knives, the you know, the paraphernalia, the everything. And so I was like, and so I found some tutorials on YouTube, learned how to repaint this mask. My, my good friend, John had an airbrush, which is what you use. And I went over to his house and repainted this, spent all day repainting this mask. And it actually came out pretty good. And I posted it online and some, some Halloween fan groups, I guess you could call them. And people were like, Hey, that looks good. Can you paint mine? And I was like, Oh, sure. And you know, one thing led to another and, you know, before I knew it, I had, I'd done, I don't know. I think I've done about 70 masks at this point, seven zero. Um, I have like a two year wait. Now I'm getting ready to break the bad news to a lot of folks on that wait list because I think I'm going to scrap it given I'm having a, a baby, um, and kind of just paint masks whenever I get time to, and maybe just sell them on my own. Well, the reason I didn't record a pod earlier, so that's 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 the full circle right there. We've we've come back to the reason I started talking to this. Um, I have a mask that I'm working on. It's my favorite. There's uh, just to give you a. There's like 50 different types of Michael Myers masks out there, not just from different movies, but different sculpts from different people that have different looks. Long story. Well, my favorite mask was sent to me the first time I've ever gotten to paint it by a guy from Canada, and rather than you know, who, okay. Guy from Canada who happens to be coming to a Halloween event in LA. So rather than spend the money and the time shipping it from here back to Canada, I was like, dude, I'll just meet you in LA and I'll go to this Halloween event. So that's where I'm going to be this weekend. But I have been busting my ass off on this mask. It is now finished. It looks incredible. I am super happy with it. Um, but that is the reason I did not record a pod earlier this week. I wanted to make sure I have this mask. Uh, it's Thursday evening. I'm leaving tomorrow. I'll be in Pasadena all weekend. Um, I get to meet the original Michael Myers and tons of actors and actresses from the original movie and all the movies that have followed. It's going to be really exciting. It's called H45, Halloween 45, whatever you want to call it. Um, if you just by some happenstance want to see the work I've done on masks, if you have an Instagram, go to The Shape Studios. The Shape is what Michael Myers is referred to in the credits. The actor that played him is called The Shape. Um, so if you want to check it out, go check it out. It's it's totally random, but there's probably, I don't know, two or three hundred pictures of, of masks that I have done on Instagram. The Shape Studios. If, if it even remotely interests interest you, check it out. No, I cannot paint a mask for you before Halloween. As uh, you know, as I've previously mentioned, but so a little bit more about me, where I come from, how I got here and the random ass shit I do and why my my buddy used to call me the Dos Equis man, because I am, in his words, the most interesting man in the world. Now, also interesting, 49ers wise, I have 
wasted six minutes of your time, and I apologize for that. Hopefully it wasn't a, a burden on you. Injury update, Debo Samuel has now missed two practices. We kind of knew about the ribs. That was downplayed from the start. It was Debo Samuel downplayed it. Kyle Shanahan downplayed it. Said that he just got knocked, knocked the wind out of him. But it ended up being a significant rib, rib injury. They haven't really gone into more deep depth about, I, I, you know, I don't think his ribs are cracked. don't think they're broken. Um, you know, they could be bruised in a way, cartilage in a way. Um, but it wasn't, it's kind of been downplayed, but Debo's now missed two practices. And we also had a random knee injury pop up throughout the week, uh, which is a bit more concerning. I would feel safe in saying, uh, but again, something that hasn't been detailed in a way as to make it seem concerning, but it would not surprise me if the 49ers like they did with Brandon Ayuk last week gave Debo Samuel a week off, especially when you consider Next week's matchup against the Cowboys, um, which could have some serious divisional implications in the future. Uh, You know, that's the good thing about the 49ers is they do not suffer from a lack of playmakers. Brandon Ayuk has returned to practice this week. He's limited, but they've got Brandon Ayuk. They've got Christian McCaffrey. They've got George Kittle. They've got Kyle Juszczyk. They've got, did I leave anybody out? George Kittle. Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Kyle Juszczyk, Jawan Jennings. Even Ray, Ray Ray McLeod has been known to make a play or two. And they've got Brock Purdy. So it it wouldn't – the 49ers can, can spare a man on, on any given week and still have a very potent, very deadly offense. It's just kind of the – you know, every week you kind of look at, okay, George Kittle's not doing much this week. But Brandon Ayuk went off, and then Brandon Ayuk missed a game, and Debo Samuel goes off, and or maybe Debo Samuel's out, and Chris McCaffrey goes off. Well, Chris McCaffrey's been going off every game, so I guess we can we can kind of ignore that. But they can definitely pick up the slack if Debo has to miss. Now, unfortunately, Jawan Jennings also missed practice with a shin injury. I'm still getting kind of a sense on how serious that is. Obviously, missing games at this point is never ideal, given they're coming up on their last. Uh, practice of the week, but it's not unheard of for a player to miss two practices and then on Friday's practices be limited and then play in the game. But again, not wouldn't really surprise me if they gave Debo a rest, especially if Brandon Ayuk seems to be trending upward with his shoulder injury. Also limited was linebackers Demetrius Landing and Foles and Dre Greenlaw, both with ankle injuries and cornerback Amory Thomas with an ankle injury. So Nothing super serious for the 49ers right now, but it it does seem like they might have to make the decision as to how important Debo Samuel is to this game. Now, after the way Debo Samuel played against the Giants, I would say he's 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 pretty important. But again, that's going to come with the Debo Samuel ter- territory. Y'all saw how he played and the show he put on. It seems like at any given moment, Debo Samuel is breaking at least five or six tackles, which can take a toll on on someone's body. So we'll see. We'll see on Debo. But again, I, I don't think that necessarily spells any sort of doom for the 49ers. I think they're well equipped to uh, to give Debo, Debo a week off in the hopes that he can come back out the following week against the Cowboys and call for the ball like he did the last time and put it in the end zone. Um, in other news, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were both given extensions. Not a whole lot of details as to the length of the extension, but obviously this is something that 
is a foregone conclusion at this point. I know there's a lot of people out there that are kind of hoping that John Lynch is given more of like a vice president of a football operations role so that they can promote Adam Peters to GM. Adam Peters over the last two or three years has been gotten, has gotten GM interviews and just happens to have been passed over. And I think that the 49ers can probably only count on that for so much longer. But again, there's nothing saying that John Lynch doesn't have a serious, uh, you know, a significant role in the 49ers success, both in free agency and in the draft. And no, they're not flawless in either regard, but no team is every team makes mistakes when it comes to personnel. But uh, I mean, there's, there's no disputing the fact that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch came into this franchise in 2017 and completely cleaned house. I believe Eric Armstead is the only player still on this roster that was here before they got here, which speaks to how much they've truly done to rebuild this team. They deserve a massive amount of credit for how much they have been able to walk in here and change this team uh, to become a perennial winner. I mean, no, they have not won the big one. Yes, obviously that's the main goal. And you know, one of my least favorite comments on the internet is, oh, well, they haven't won a Super Bowl yet, so that doesn't really matter. And it's just not true. You know, look at the amount of value that this team has gained since John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan took over. Look at the, I mean, you could look at how much the price of season tickets has gone up since those two have took over. Uh, everything about this team is better. And uh, and now they're to a point where they're expected to, to be in the playoffs every year. They're one of three undefeated teams along with the Eagles and Dolphins, I believe. Man, how about the Dolphins putting up 70? I mean, I guess at this point, we've all been talking about it for a week, but that is just unbelievable. It, it is That word is used so often in NFL circles, but I mean, that amount of points, that is truly unbelievable. Two of their running backs both have four touchdowns, Raheem Mostert and the other guy they had. And I think Tua had four touchdowns too. It's just like, what is happening? How is, how is this a thing? It's just an absolute gluttony of success. Now, is that going to be the norm? No, it's not. You can look at their other two games and know that's not the norm. But interesting nonetheless. So Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch um, have earned those extensions. And I think the 49ers fans should rejoice at just the fact that this team has stability. You know, they had the Harbaugh years, which were excellent for the most part, and that fell apart rather quickly. And then between Harbaugh's last year and then Chip Kelly and or, you know, Jim Tom Sula before that, it just was you know, this team was ran through the ringer. And here come Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. And don't forget the fact that when you know Kyle Shanahan was seen as the logical hire, if anything, the 49ers were lucky to have him. But when it was announced that John Lynch was stepping in, that move was met with a lot of a lot of adversity and a lot of like, oh well, this guy, you know, there are so many amazing scouting people out there. How does this former player just get to step into an office and go all the way to the top of the ranks in the scouting department? And I, no matter how much credit you want to give John Lynch or you don't want to give John Lynch, I don't really care. Um, this that's the buck stops with him when it comes to personnel. The buck stops with him and Shanahan. Arguably, it probably stops with Shanahan a little bit more, but um, he's at the top of the pecking order when it comes to personnel, and they've killed it. They've done well. And just remember, when it comes to personnel and it comes to the draft, 
if you are batting like over 300, just like Major League Baseball, you're doing pretty damn good. And that's kind of the way it is with uh, with players as well. In terms of players, you've got Christian McCaffrey. That is, again, the NFC Offensive Player of the Month. Um, I was listening to Guy Haberman on the Haberman and Middlecoff podcast. Um, shout out to those guys, as always. And Haberman is kind of breaking it down, but it essentially boils down to when it, when it comes to the fact that, like, like December and January are like combined and the 49ers didn't really pick up McCaffrey until late October that McCaffrey's only been on the 49ers for a total of like three months. And he's won the uh, NFC's offensive player of the month twice of in three months, which is pretty unbelievable. I mean, I wish that I could have done the, the quick math on how much Christian McCaffrey has amassed just with the 49ers alone i mean i could i could look at it really quickly i'm not great at math i'm okay but since christian mccaffrey has joined the 49ers i'm looking at the two sitting next to each other that's he started 13 games he's played in 14 games that is 220 carries for 1000 and basically 1100 yards nine touchdowns and let's get over to the receivings here. 63 catches for another 520 yards and four touchdowns. So he's he's right right around 2,000 yards yards of offense in the 14 games since he's been here. That's less than a half a season. Or excuse me, less than a full season. Christian McCaffrey hasn't even been with the 49ers for a full season. Now that does not include playoffs. That's just me looking at the regular season stats right next to each other. If you go to playoffs, then you're also adding uh, 40 carries for 240 yards, two touchdowns, and another 12 catches for 61 yards and a touchdown. So it's it's all it's all good. It's all awesome. It, it you know the one thing you've seen making the rounds on social media lately is everybody who's you know celebrating the Christian McCaffrey trade, which was in some circles kind of ridiculed uh, as far as what the 49ers gave up for McCaffrey. I remember funny story when the 49ers traded for Christian McCaffrey, I was in Visalia, California at a sprint car race standing up in the stands, you know, in the pits. If you know what the pits are, where the cars are watching a race, bam, notification comes through the 49ers have traded for Christian McCaffrey. I just happened to be standing next to um, a friend of mine who I'd played flag football with and against uh, for, for years. Uh, he also raced race cars and he kind of looks over and he's like, you know, well, how do you feel that the 49ers traded so much for damaged goods? And I was kind of like, huh? Like at the time, Christian McCaffrey had a couple, had had a couple of injured seasons. So I understood that, but I was like, I mean, he's, he's had a couple of injured seasons. That doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't have anything left in the tank. That, that, that type of shit happens. He had two rough seasons in Carolina, and then in that next season, the season that the 49ers traded for McCaffrey, he he played in a full season plus the playoffs. So I just, whenever anybody talks about McCaffrey and the fact the 49ers gave up so much for him, I always think of that night. There's more to that story, though, because being so dedicated to you all and the, the striking gold fam that we've got, I was like, okay, I'm going to go out into the car and record this podcast. Even if it's only like 15, 20 minutes, I need to record... I need to talk about the fact that the 49ers just traded for freaking Christian McCaffrey. I go out to the 
my dad's truck. I had gone there with my dad and out in his truck, even with the doors closed and everything sealed up, it was the race was just too loud. You could hear it in the recording. I was like, okay, I've got my dad's keys. I'm just going to drive the truck down the street until I can't hear the cars anymore. And I'll pull off and I'll just record the pod. So I'm in Visalia. I don't know Visalia. Excuse me. It's Tulare, not Visalia. Tulare. I end up pulling off and I don't know. It didn't look like that bad of an area. It wasn't that great of an area. I'm sitting there rec- trying to record the pod. I, th- I think I was kind of still taking some notes and some dude, this, it was in the dead of night, maybe about nine o'clock at night. Some dude walks up and like taps on the window and he's standing like, you know, six inches from my face, just on the other side of the window. And he kind of just looks at me and, and, and smiles and then walks off just a real Richard Ramirez moment. And, and so at that moment, once he kind of walked off, I was like, okay, this is not the spot. I'm going to go ahead and go somewhere else. So I ended up, I knew there was a McDonald's down the road. So I went and I parked just straight up in the middle of the McDonald's parking lot where, you know, traffic's coming in, leaving people in the drive through line, whatever. I figured that was a lot better than being in the path of Richard Ramirez, the night stalker. So I go to McDonald's and I record the pod. And even then stuff's going on around me. Two cars are pulling up, parking next to each other and then leaving. And you're like, okay, what was that? I'm in just a train ends up coming by. It was nuts, but I got, I fired off that pod. It, I mean, it's on the feed somewhere. You just got to scroll back. And so whenever anybody talks about the Christian McCaffrey trade, I just think of, I was at the races. I left to go record a pod. My friend thought he was damaged goods and people seem to dispute the trade for whatever reason. And for the 49ers so far, it is, it is completely and totally worked out. And in the age of a devalued running backs, and people questioning their value and you know how important they really ra- really are to an NFL offense and how replaceable they are i think christian mccaffrey kind of stands head and tall above the rest of them as just being in a league of his own and capable of transforming an offense that was already very potent for the 49ers and and you trade for christian mccaffrey and it, despite the fact that the 49ers offense was already the shit he still had such a massive impact on how teams had to approach the 49ers now. And it's, it's quick little drink of water here. It's just nuts to me to see how big of an impact he's had in less in, in what's essentially coming up to a, a season's worth of work. If you include the playoffs, I mean, even then at Eagles game, when everything fell apart for the 49ers, Christian McCaffrey was just going as hard as he possibly could. That touchdown he had in that game, no matter how useless it was, uh, was still you know a, a pretty incredible play. So, you know the fact that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were just extended is a testament towards the moves, like being aggressive, like acquiring a Christian McCaffrey, acquiring acquiring a Trent Williams. Uh, I mean that type of stuff just doesn't get talked about a lot in the sense that those are ballsy moves. Those are risky moves. And, uh, you know, you include that with like the Trey Lance trade. The reason the Trey Lance trade doesn't hang over this organization is because they've made trades like Christian McCaffrey and Trent Williams, you know, and and no, those not the same amount of draft capital, but we, you're going to have your bad moves. You're going to have your good moves. And Christian McCaffrey was, was absolutely 
uh, a pretty amazing move. Now, a little bit about the Cardinals. No, you know what? Before we get into the Cardinals, let's talk prize picks. That can that can be an intro to our Cardinals. Uh, you know, not not necessarily an ad read right now. I'm going to talk to you about the, what I'm going with in prize picks because if you have not jumped on this already, look, I'm not I'm not big on the daily fantasy sports. I've I've always observed it and I always admired it. I was like, man, if I was ever going to bar- partake in in you know placing those entries on a weekly, even daily basis, if you wanted to, that is how I would do it. It just looked simple. It looked clean. It looked nice. It wasn't you know anything confusing that I had to try and learn. And uh, and obviously then Prize Fix comes along and they sponsor Strike and Gold. And if you haven't heard about it, it's daily fantasy sports. It's you against the numbers. Uh, you're picking more and less, and then you're watching the winnings roll in. You know any player from any team, passing yards, touchdowns, rushing yards, receptions, kicking points, punt yardage. I mean, it's all over the place. You're picking more. You're picking less. And you're rolling with it. You can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. And when I say just a few taps, it really is just a few taps. That's what I like best about Price Picks. It's super easy to play. You can make your picks and submit an entry in like 60 seconds. Now, if you're going to talk yourself out of every pick that you put on there, like I do, it might take a little longer, but it really is a great time. All you got to do is go to prizepicks.com slash gold and use the promo code gold. And they're going to match anything up to a hundred dollar first deposit. So if you put in a hundred bucks, they're going to match that with a hundred bucks. So you'll have two hundred bucks chilling in there. All right. So again, that's prizefix.com slash gold. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Get on there with me. Uh, uh, you know, you've seen me post on Twitter about it. I'm really having a good time with it. Um, and I have placed my entry for today, and, and I've decided to up the ante. Past couple weeks, I've done three-man flex plays, meaning I need to get two to win. But, you know, in terms of your return on investment, I guess you could say, um, it's not as high when you're clicking the flex play. So I decided to go with a four-man power play. That means I picked four uh, projections, more or less on each of those, and I have to hit all four. I just I, I decided I wanted to step it up for you guys. Um we're doing okay. We're right at around since we started playing this season. We've won two entries. We're right at around break even in terms of our total uh, total investment into uh, into our daily fantasy sports. So for this week's pride fix, there were some good ones too. You know the ones that have consistently hit for me are kickers. So here's my two kicker ones. I'm taking Matt Pryor, Arizona kicker, to have more than four and a half kicking points. And if you think about that, that is one field goal and two extra points. That's two field goals. I feel great about that. I'm picking him to have more. I think that's an easy one. I'm also picking 49ers kicker Jake Moody to make more than one and a half field goals. I think he's at least going to make two. So that's what I'm going with. There was another one that said seven and a half points. Uh, you know, so the same as Prater, but I was like, man, in order to realistically realistically get to seven and a half points, you're probably if, as a kicker you're probably going to have a couple field goals in there anyway. So I'm just going to take the field goal. one. Um, I'm also pissy, picking, pit, pissing. I, I don't know where that came from. I'm, I'm definitely not pissing right now. I'm sitting in my computer room. Everything is dry. Everything relaxed. No pissing. Christian McCaffrey, I'm taking him to have more than 113 and a half rushing yards plus receiving yards. 
I mean, the dude's been doing that on the ground. It, it really shouldn't be a problem. Um, I have a lot of faith in, in Christian McCaffrey, especially if Debo Samuel is either going to be out or or hampered. And then finally, I took Brock Purdy to have less than 225 passing yards. If you go to Brock Purdy's stats, which I had up here at some point, but now I cannot find it. Uh, he's been under that number for uh, two of the games, I believe, or, or right around there. And I think this game against the Cardinals is probably going to come down, going to be more of a physical uh, want to run the football affair. So I'm taking Purdy for less than 225 passing yards. Um, that's really maybe, I don't know if there's one I don't feel great about. Maybe it's that one. I'm typically a, a take the more than guy. Um, but so I've, I've got a $10 power play going. If I went all four, I'm going to get a hundred bucks. So I'm, I'm shooting for it. And, uh, let's just hope that you get some good news from your boy. In terms of the Cardinals themselves, a, a very interesting team, uh, not the right now. I believe they're like 14 point favorites to me. That's way too much. I think it'll be, it'll be less than that. It wouldn't surprise me if this was a one score game and I'm not, I don't feel like I'm overestimating the Cardinals. But you're you're looking at you know they lost to the to the Commanders I believe that was in Washington sixteen to twenty you know and if you look at the way that game unfolded possession wise Cardinals really kind of imploded in the second half they went field goal punt fumble punt fumble downs like damn that's rough and at the same time in the second half Washington went punt punt touchdown punt field goal so um, it. It does seem like the Cardinals have some problems in the second half. If you go to the Giants game, another one that the Cardinals were leading convincingly uh, towards the beginning. If you look at their first half for the Cardinals, a missed field goal from 37, which is rough. I mean, I guess that's still pretty long. Touchdown, touchdown, field goal, field goal. That was the Cardinals' first half. So they were throttling the Giants. And then the Giants responded with their own touchdown, 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 field goal. Scored on every single drive in the second half, whereas the Cardinals went touchdown, punt, 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 end of game. So they the Giants really came out of nowhere. And as we saw from the 49ers, that might not have been a normal occurrence. Now, again, that doesn't make the Cardinals look good per se. But then you get to the Dallas game where the Cardinals beat the Cowboys convincingly. This was this was not a a close game. They beat them twenty eight to sixteen, and even then, you know, you're talking about in the second half, the Cowboys added two field goals. So even that, I mean, if you're looking at the Cardinals' drives, their first half field goal, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, field goal. It's just the Cardinals to me seem like a team that are figuring it all out. They're figuring. They, team, they seem like a team that finally kind of put it together against the Cowboys. They found themselves a way to screw themselves out of a win against the Car- uh, Commanders, against the Giants. Kyle Shanahan said he saw a team that he thought should be 3-0. Now, again, you've got to put it all together. you got to make it happen. You can say you, can, you should be 3-0 until you're blue in the face. But if you don't do it, you don't do it. But you can look at these games and see that this is not necessarily a team that the 49ers should expect to just walk over. Could they? Yeah, I think the 49ers are talented enough to do that. But this Cardinals team, like I said, just strikes me as a team that finally put it together against the Cowboys. The 49ers should not. To me, I have str- I, I struggle to consider this any type of uh, a trap game 
because the Cardinals and and maybe the biggest blessing to the forty uh, to the Cardinals beating the Cowboys is that it it let the 49ers know ahead of time like hey man these Cardinals aren't messing around and i believe over the last two seasons let me see i've i've got it coming up here right now i think the cardinals are like 2 and 2 against the 49ers okay so who am i looking at from whose point of view am i looking at here okay so they lost to the 49ers twice last season and then swept the 49ers twice in 2021. I believe one of those was like the Colt McCoy game, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, you go all the way back to where's 2017, right here. The Cardinals beat the 49ers four times in both 17 and 18. Then they lost twice in 19. Obviously, the 49ers did went all the way to the Super Bowl that year. Then they went one and one in 2020 then they beat the 49ers twice in 2021 and then they lost twice last year so the 49ers and the cardinals have been going punch for punch um for quite a while did not specify let me let me know if you know what that's from hey want to go punch for bunch never mind some of you will know so I just don't think the 49ers are one in a position to overlook the Cardinals. And two, I just don't think it's in their head to overlook the Cardinals. When you think about what they have done against the 49ers since Kyle Shanahan and, and John Lynch took over, it, it, it just doesn't seem like a team. The 49ers are going to overlook, you know, they beat the Cowboys. They were beating the hell out of the giants before that fell apart. And they had a close loss to the commanders. It's a divisional game. The 49ers right now, as of this moment are, in line to be the NFC's number one seed, you know, again, undefeated. Um, I, I just get the sense that the 49ers are looking at this this year. Like if we can stay healthy, we can win it all. And Purdy is playing at that level that gives them that confidence. And so I just think that the 49ers, uh, they, they're not in a position to overlook anybody. And I think they know that. They've gotten so close so many times that and, and that sour taste in their mouths is pretty much permanent at this point. It's not going away. So I don't think the 49ers are really going to be in a position to overlook the Cardinals. And the Cardinals have a lot going for them. I mean, you look at Josh Dobbs, a guy who's basically been like a perennial backup. I mean, let's Let's go back. He spent two years in Pittsburgh. Didn't really play a whole lot. Had a total of 12 attempts and five attempts. And then he went to Tennessee and he got some action. He played and he started a couple games. Um, Wasn't great in those couple games. And then he goes to Arizona and Arizona started cutting their quarterbacks, let go of Colt McCoy. And everybody's like, what the hell are they doing? And then Josh Dobbs comes in here and is actually playing respectable football for this team. So far in three games. He's 59 of 82. That's 72% completion percentage. It's probably near the top of the league, if not the top. He's thrown for 549 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. And he also has 12 carries for 93 yards and a touchdown. Like Josh Dobbs is playing respectable football, albeit against, you know, Washington, the Giants, and Dallas. Now, Dallas. Going into that game, we expected them to have one of the top defenses and be one of the best NFL teams. You're talking about the team that shut the Giants out 40-0 to open up the season. So things are just weird with the Cardinals. 
that's the best way I can put it. Things are weird. Things are odd. Things don't add up. But I just don't think they're a team the 49ers can or will take lightly. You go over to James Conner, their running back. He's got 51 carries for 266 yards and two touchdowns so far. He's averaging 5.2 yards a carry. That is serious. Guys, that is serious. Okay, he's got seven catches for 26 yards. It's it's just a weird thing. You go back to the Dallas game and what they were able to do on offense. James Conner had 14 carries for 98 yards. That's seven yards a carry and a touchdown. While Josh Dobbs completed 81% of his passes for 189 yards and his own touchdown. I mean, that's just wild. They are playing good football. Now, again, have they gone up against anybody in the caliber of the 49ers? Well, no. But it is just a little weird. In terms of yards per carry, the Cardinals are second in the NFL at 5.6. The 49ers are down in about sixth at 4.8. In terms of rushing touchdowns, the Cardinals are about seventh. The 49ers are third with five. Cardinals at four. I'm talking about pass, even their passing statistics are, are pretty dang impressive. Uh, their 72 per completion percentage is fourth in the NFL. Their yards per attempt, 49ers are actually third with 8.1. The Cardinals, that's when you start to see them drop. They're around the middle of the league at 6.7. Touchdowns, one of the worst offenses in the NFL when it comes to passing touchdowns. Like I said, they only have two. That's second worst in the NFL. The 49ers are right around the middle of the league with four. Cardinals are one of only four teams to throw no interceptions. Um, The 49ers are among those. It's just this weird combination of offensive success, but not winning all their games. And are they just, are they some type of weird sleeper team? It's really odd. The Cardinals are in a weirdly, really weird position. And I just, I feel like if the 49ers went out and beat them by 25, I wouldn't be surprised. But if the 49ers won by seven, I also wouldn't be surprised. I would be surprised if the 49ers lost. But in terms of what this team is is doing, I think it deserves a little bit of respect. You know, now when you get on the defensive side of the ball, the Cardinals are allowing 4.6 yards a carry. That bodes really well for the 49ers and Christian McCaffrey. Um, if you flip flop it to the 49ers, they're at about they're at about 10th in the NFL, only allowing 3.7 yards per carry. Um, they're the third 49ers have allowed the third fewest rush yards, only 159. I don't want to get too much into the numbers here. I think that doesn't make for great potting. You can't see it on your screen. Um, I don't want to get too much into that, but the biggest mismatch of this game is the 49ers offense against the Cardinals defense. That is where the game will be won or lost. If Brock Purdy can keep the 49ers offense humming, keep hitting Christian McCaffrey, keep hitting George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. We'll see if Debo gets out there. And I think the 49ers can win this game comfortably. They can win this game um, by more than 14 points, like the line says. But on the other side of the ball, you've got this dominant 49ers defense. You don't really have too potent of a passing attack for, for the Cardinals, but they have been good on the ground. I mean, you go back and look at every single game they played in against the Giants. They averaged 5.2 yards a carry. Against Washington, they averaged 3.8 yards per carry, which against that defense is actually pretty solid. That'll that'll get it done. Against Dallas, they averaged 7.4 yards a carry. 
So they're doing it on the ground against Dallas. They ran for 222 yards. You're not really going to do that on against the 49ers defense. Can Josh Dobbs really start slinging it? And can they still win? I mean, he threw for 228 yards against the Giants. He threw for only 132 against Washington. To me, that's kind of more reflective of a defensive performance they're going to see against the 49ers. I mean, we thought Dallas defense was elite, and and Dobbs still completed 81% of his passes. So their receiving core is okay. You've got uh, Marquise Wilson, Hollywood, or excuse me, not Hollywood. Hollywood is Marquise Brown. You've got James Conner who can catch out of the backfield. You've got Rondell Moore. Uh, you've got Zach Ertz. So it, it's just an interesting group, guys. That's about as detailed as my my analytics can get for you, and it's we've always talked on the pod about how weird divisional matchups get. Uh, this could be a weird one. I would expect the 49ers to handle business more than I would them drop some surprising game against the Cardinals. But again, the best thing that could have happened against could have happened for the 49ers was the Cardinals beating the Dallas and let everybody know that one Dallas might not be who, we thought they were, or the Cardinals are more than we thought they were. And I think it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, we know that Dallas is a Mike McCarthy led team, which is just never a good thing. And the Cardinals, you know, they got a brand new head coach dude that made a really weird speech that everybody saw on social media. It's just an odd, odd game with some weird potential. The fact that they're 14 point, point favorites just seems weird to me. I mean, the home team has always given three. So, I mean, you can look at it like 11 point favorites. I don't know. They usually adjust for that though. So, I mean, can you guys sense the weirdness just as much as I can? Am I missing something? I think the 49ers are wildly more talented than the Cardinals, but shit just gets weird when it's a divisional matchup. The Cardinals seem like they're punching way above their weight, especially against Dallas. And so it wouldn't surprise me if they came out and threw a couple body blows to the 49ers and they go into the halftime. Maybe they're up like 13 to, to 10, you know, and maybe the end score ends up being 30 to, to, you know, 13 or something ridiculous like that. But it just seems like one of those matchups where it could get weird, but at the same time, the 49ers have been given, given every heads up they need. Like, Hey, your playoff seating is on the line. This is the divisional matchup. They just beat one of the best teams in the NFL, and they were in it for the other two games. So if you can't get up for this, then that's kind of like that's on you type of deal. Um, just as a last final reminder before we get out of here, pod sponsored by Prize Picks. You go to prizepickscom slash gold and use the promo code gold, and you will get a $100 deposit match for your first deposit. Get on there. Pick more, pick less, enjoy it. Again, you can approach it how I started approaching it. Pick three players, do flex plays to where you only need two. You know, make your winning small at first, get get comfortable with it, and then start flexing your 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 know how a little bit. So again, I'm doing a four pick power play um, to win a hundred bucks this week. Matt Prater, Christian McCaffrey, Jake Moody, and Brock Purdy take me home. Ah. <sighs> hope everybody's doing well tomorrow i will head out for the halloween 45 years later event should be fun i'm excited about that um and i will try to be home right before the 49ers kickoff against the cardinals at levi stadium 
whether you're going to the game, checking it out, have fun. Enjoy your weekend. I appreciate everybody for listening to Striking Gold. Uh, but as you know, all good things must come to an end. And for another episode, I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. You are the Striking Gold fam. And we are signing.